With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. Get involved with the debate by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast and check out exclusive interviews on bluemoonpodcast.com. It's your club and this is your show. Well, the first silverware of the decade is in the bag and City within touching distance of another trip to Wembley in the FA Cup after easing their way past Sheffield Wednesday. But this week, it's all about Phil Foden's coming of age as he became the first member of Generation Z to win Man of the Match at Wembley. Way to make us all feel old, Phil. Also on this week's show, the Manchester Derby has somehow snuck up on us. Seriously, who realised it was Derby week until yesterday? The good news is that it's at Old Trafford, and for some inexplicable reason, City's record is better there than it is at the Etihad these days. There's also a new fixture sandwiched into the schedule as City take on Arsenal next Wednesday, and we'll be looking at how the coronavirus could impact on football for the remainder of the season. I'm your host, David Mooney. With me in the studio is City fan KC. All right. And we've got the Daily Mail's Jack Gore. Hello, you all right? Not too bad, thank you. You both well? Hmm, yeah. yeah. Not bad. Thought about that for a while. All right. Well, considering just before we came on air, we were talking about coronavirus. That is uh, true. We'll talk about it a bit later on as well. (laughs) The sun's out. The sun was out today. I mean, it's not out in here in this dingy... I was going to say, we're we're currently underground, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're, we're underground and it's like nearly eight o'clock in the evening. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, Anyway, we'll start with Phil Foden because uh, he he kind of ran the show at Wembley on uh, on Sunday. It's the only real place to start. Um, He was pretty good, wasn't he, Jack? Yeah, not surprising though. Because he's he's been pretty good in every every game he's played. Every time he's had an opportunity, I think the only time where I've watched him and thought, "Oh, he's a little bit below par," was probably the Fulham game in the cup. Mm. But then he's not really played for ages before that. So he's I suppose he's had um, his situation's been that he's had weeks and weeks with no football, and then he just gets thrown into a game in a cup final. Well, yeah, I spoke. Yeah, in the, in a cup final it was amazing. But I mean, previously, oh, in the Fulham game, sorry, yeah, yeah the Fulham game and like others. Others this season and where that, that, that Fulham game was weird anyway as well, wasn't it with the early penalty and that I don't think anyone yeah. really turned up, did they? Yeah, yeah. And it's but he's he's been thrown into random games throughout the season and as ninety nine times well, nine times out of ten has has been one of the best performers. Yeah, I mean what what did we learn anything new about him on, on Sunday, Casey? Or was it, or did it just confirm what we knew already? Um I I'll I'll be honest, like I'm 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 a big fan and a big advocate. even if he isn't as good as what we're hoping I think for the for the end running of the season he has to play a lot more and I think he should have been playing a lot more anyway because you know the title's gone. Um I don't I don't see what the benefit is of not playing him in the league um week in, week out is to sort of build his strength up, even if you give him three or four games and then decide actually he's not got the physical um attributes to sort of do that all the time. At least you've you've got the opportunity this season in a bit of a unique way to actually do that. He's only going to build up the physicality though by playing, isn't Ex- it? That's... Exactly. And and like I said, which brings about I, I think I think he should be playing a lot more than he is. Um and hopefully that, that game on, on Sunday sort of made Pep I'm sure Pep knows how good he is, but it it just seems it just seems bizarre because, on one hand, you think he's clearly good enough playing more, but then you're thinking, am I just biased because I want a young city yeah. player to come through? So you sort of you're trying to you know you know you're trying to balance the scales in your mind, but then you see a performance like that on Sunday and you think, actually, no, he definitely should be playing more. Um, and I, I fully I fully expected him to start last night against Wednesday. Um, so hopefully he is going to start in the derby because it would be good to have a Burt in the derby. Yeah, I mean, it's, did he did Guardiola kind of hint that he might do in a post-match or was uh, reading too much into his comments? I think about... probably reading a bit too much into it. It's probably lost in translation a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think he was basically saying he'll, he'll be ready the next time. He, the come, next he comes to play. He plays, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it sounded as if he, he, he was going to play on Wednesday night which then makes you think then actually maybe he will play at Old Trafford. Mm. He was going to play him Liverpool Liverpool away. I can't remember when, what month that was in. About October time. Yeah. I think. November. In, was in, it November? In the, in the league. Yeah, yeah, November, yeah. He was really, really close to playing him in that game and then changed his mind at the last minute. Um, Do we know why? 
he's well, he's got a thing about Liverpool, hasn't he? Particularly Anfield. Um, so he kind of reversed his decision quite late on. Then, so he's not like he. It's really frustrating because he's yeah, so like close. really, really close to having a proper run. And then he just the last second he, he does he is it just like he goes back to what he knows maybe yeah it is a bit of, it does seem a bit of familiar because there are there are some games where it's crying out not necessarily just because you want Foden playing but just because of the way that he breaks the lines um, where there's there's been a lot of times where when obviously most of the time we don't struggle but when we have been struggling it's when we're sort of like we're passing it round in front of a, a, a block defence and what F- Foden is one of the few obviously I know we've got different players that can do it Sterling does it you know Bernardo does it whatever but I think Foden is one of the few that can break the lines through the centre that we don't necessarily have all the time and I think I, you know, I know Gundogan gets a lot of stick but I think an option of Foden instead of Gundogan in those matches Especially off the bench, but I know Pep doesn't like using the bench as much as other players. Uh, not not until about the 80th minute. Anyway. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. But I think you know there are some times where you just think just there are games that are crying out for that type of player. Not even if it is Phil Foden. What I think did change on Sunday was like is is actually through the middle Foden's best position because that seemed when when the team team was named unfamiliar position out on the wing and he just absolutely smashed it yeah. and you think Bernardo everyone thought when we signed him his natural position is the middle he's playing out on the wing all the time clearly good out there it was Pepsi and the same thing for Foden yeah. he played um, wide left away in Zagreb I think and he was man of the match that night even though Jesus got a hat trick so he's he's really good at just drifting into yeah. little pockets and you're able to do that or you've got more license to do that when you play out wide Particularly as a as a is, younger player, and this, with the fullbacks they've got as well, you know you've got yeah. like Mendy and Walker either side. And I was going to say, is this the responsibility thing as well? Where where you, you know you, you, I think you've talked about it on the show in the past, Jack, about having when you when you're thrown into the team in the middle of, of midfield in a Guardiola system, you've got so much responsibility there, which you maybe don't have out wide. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Didn't you play him at like left wing back in against Shakhtar? It might have been his debut. Yeah. Or Maybe his full his full day. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, maybe he just doesn't doesn't trust him through the middle yet. I think there is something something in what he says though when he because he gets asked about Foden all the time, and his answer every time is like, "Look at the players ahead of him." And there is uh, uh, people probably don't like to hear that, but there is something there is something in it. I mean, he's got well, everyone knows the names that are ahead of him, which makes it very very difficult for. A, any manager to turn around to a David Silver or whoever else and say, "This nineteen-year-old, yeah, this, this kid's week. my man now, and he's going to play for the next for the next month or so, and you're going to have to sit on the bench and watch." But yeah. do you think if it wasn't Silver's last season, maybe he'd have played more? Because a lot, like I, I'm, I'm, I don't particularly subscribe to that, but I've heard a lot of people say say that that's that's what they think that because it's Silver's last sort of swan song, he's playing more than he probably should should have been with. The, the way that his performances compared to what they were in the past have merited. I've not checked the numbers though, but I don't feel like Silver's played that much recently. Not recently, that. but the first the, few uh, months. The first was, few months yeah. of the season, he was like, he, some games he looked knackered and he was still playing him week in, week out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting as well because, like, on in some of the big games, Guardiola has gone straight to Foden and trusted him. You think of that Spurs game after the Champions League elimination last season. League Cup final again. These are the sorts of games where where Guardiola we would feel like he would go for the familiar aspect. Yeah, but he can He tries to do something fresh and different, doesn't he? In the in the biggest games, look at Real Madrid last week. I mean, I have to admit that's true. And he, <laughs> and he tries to. I don't know. He tries tries to outwit his opponent, doesn't he? Um, and I don't think anyone, no one was expecting Foden to get anywhere near it. Uh, on Sunday, and it only start. It was only around kind of one o'clock ish that we that it started kind of filtering through that he might he might be starting. Um, and it was the other interesting thing about it was that he, Pepper told the players who was playing on the Saturday, and normally he leaves it as late as possible. So, so Foden had known the night before. Yeah, I guess he must have done. Yeah. Um, so that gives him twenty four hours to. Think it over in his mind and not sleep. Yeah, because <laughs> it, it struck me as strange that because if you were going to play him in such a big game in his first cup final, 
as a bit of a as a bit of a curveball as well. But is it the sort of thing that you just spring on him and go, go on then, go, and you don't have to think about it? But maybe he's given he's given him kind of almost extra extra responsibility and treating him like a proper first teamer by going the day before a game, you are playing right wing, go and figure it out in your head and go and perform for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I do like the in at the deep end, sink or swim approach to, to a lot of the time. But again, that might just be my personality. I don't want to spend the night before worrying about what's going to happen and just be, be told, oh, go out there and do it. I'd, mm. that, that'd suit me a lot more. But it, it, I suppose what it, what it kind of does is it, is it says a lot about Foden's mentality in that case. Yeah, well, he's. I think he's got a strong mentality. He's kind of the one thing he's done this season is Guardiola said in September or so. Um, I'd asked him what does you know what does Foden need to do to to get more games, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And he said, oh, he needs to he needs to bang on my door. He needs to tell me that he has to be playing. Now Foden isn't isn't the sort of character that would do that. And I think it's quite a strong mentality from here from his point of view. To say no, I'm not. I'm not playing that game. I'm not. I'm not going to come in and be someone I'm. I'm not. If you think I deserve to play, then I'll. Then I'll play. I'm not going to play by. I'm not going to come in and rant and rave because that's not the sort of person. That's not I, me. Yeah. And, you, and there is something to be said for standing by your own kind of character and true to your word yeah. and, and yeah, kind yeah. of not rising to that. I mean, KC in terms of the game on on Sunday, what will first off what will a man of the match a, a, a award do for him and an assist in the game? That was actually it was a it was a really good assist from from Yeah, that it's, it's weird because obviously he scored with his head against Spurs as well at the back end of last season. You think he just he's he's not as short as he as he seems to be, but you would just never pick him to be winning headers anywhere on the pitch, would you? It's just um like the fact that he's got a big assist and a big goal like two pro- probably his two biggest city moments. With with his head um, don't really fit um, but I think more than the man of the match or anything like that I think just the fact that that first touch will just be replayed over and over yeah, and over yeah. again like that you know that's just <laughs> that that's just made for like highlight reels for you know the league the, the, the running, yeah, the running yeah. keep you up as well second half oh yeah that I forgot all, about yeah. that that was, that was <laughs> yeah. incredible yeah yeah and you just think that that I, I think the supreme confidence to 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 even to, to do even, that to do that when I can't even do that like down the park when nobody's watching. I just like I'd, I just, forgot, I'd forgotten about that entirely. <laughs> I, I just think that that first touch to even try to take that ball as perfect as he did, but it just seemed instinctive and natural, like he didn't even think about it, and then to not sort of crap himself to basically then try. I know he didn't score, but to then take it on and shoot, just think, yeah, you, you are you are ready now. Does he? I mean, it, it's it's a weird question this because the way Guardiola talks about him, the way we talk about him, he obviously he's part of the first team, but he doesn't. It, I don't know if it feels like he's been part of the first team until now. No, Did we, you know we I mean? asked him. We asked him after the game, which was gives you a little window into our job, really, because um, they had to the players had to rush off to the kind of reception party, whatever you want to call it, afterwards before going back home. And they ended up getting Phil on the phone for us, and me and a colleague were stood outside a hotel, one with speakerphone on, talking <laughs> to Foden. The other recording, and the other recording, yeah. the speakerphone, yeah. And then said to him like, "When, how long did it take for you to feel like you belonged among these players? Because they're all at the top of the game, aren't they?" He was <laughs> seventeen when he when he started training with them, and he said, "Oh." I'll be honest, it took me like a good few months. He didn't feel as if like he really fit with the group and I suppose that's go- that goes back to what I was saying about his character before. He's quite like he's quite he ca- he can be very shy when you first get first speak to him and it takes him a little little bit of time to warm up to people. I remember hearing an interview with him post match though recently where I, I can't remember who it was that was doing the interview, but but the journalist said to them said to him you know, Phil, I'm. I, I just want a bit of reaction. Come on, give me a bit more. Yeah. You know, like like give me a bit of uh, of emotion. Like how are you feeling? Don't just don't just kind of shrink into yourself, sort of thing. Yeah, and it's, yeah, and it take it does take him a while. Um, but when he starts to come out of his shell, I mean, I've I covered the under under twenty ones, and watching him among those players is like watching a completely different person. Yeah. He's he's like the main man, leader of the group, leader sort of, of the group, cracking jokes. Um, so you would assume that that's what he will become eventually at, at City, but obviously it's going to take you know it's going to take a while because yeah. he because crucially he knows his place. He's not like a 
he's not like some of the other young players that I mean look at um Paveda who went to Leeds in January bombed out of the first team training at City because his attitude wasn't right and it sounds like Leeds have done exactly the same already he's only been there a month yeah I mean you look at the was it an Instagram post or a Twitter post that he made where where he basically said you know in 2011 I was watching this this lot win the title and now I'm I'm winning trophies with them and it was a photograph of him and Aguero I just uh, it, it freaks it freaks me out when he talks about stuff like that you know when it's just like oh you know do you, do you remember this or that or the other and it's like oh yeah uh, I think I think I saw a quote within the other day where he said, "Oh yeah, he sort of he, he sort of remembers the the bad FA Cup final as he calls it, the bad one, the 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 Wigan the one. Wigan one." Yeah. You think like two thousand? That seems like yesterday. <laughs> Twenty minutes ago. That one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so it is, it is frightening on that on on that front, yeah. But you just, like you, you don't really want to go on about his age because players that players that are, are that good. It's like if you if you if you if you're good enough, you're old enough, sort of thing, isn't it? And you think he's clearly got the talent, and he's he's clearly had this thing. He's he's one of those players, um, probably not to the same extent as 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 like your Rooney's and stuff like that. But he would have always been told, "You are going to be amazing." And like I've spoken to people that uh, coached him at Red, uh, like Reddish Vulcans, like when he was like seven or eight or whatever, and it was just like. He was just ridiculous then, and it was like everyone knew he was going to be a professional footballer. So it's like he's known he's going to be a professional his whole entire life. So it's just like I just I, dealing dealing with that sort of pressure, whether it's shyness or stuff like that. Then you know you just got to deal with it whatever way you can, I suppose. Yeah. Um. In terms of League Cups, Jack, it's three in a row for City now. Uh, is, is there any particular reason why they take it more seriously than other teams under this manager? Because <laughs> the manager wants to. Win absolutely everything. Well, he wants a, a very high number for when he goes and um, and then he can point to however many trophies he ends up winning and going, well, there you go, I've delivered that many. What a success that was. doesn't matter whether it's a Community FA Shield, Cup, League yeah. Cup, Champions League. And yeah, as you rightly say, Community Shield, he's counting them because he thinks that's the, the English Super Cup, which many would disagree with. Well, it's like well, Pe- Pellegrini had a target of like five in his three years, didn't he? Was it not five in five? No, not Pellegrini, five, five Pe- years. Pellegrini won't give him five years, was he? No, I know, but was it, was it not initially said five five trophies in five years? Oh no, I thought I thought it was like five in three years or something. Is what his original? Maybe I'm wrong, but it was like I honestly can't but, remember. But Ga- Guardiola's what won eight out of the last nine domestic. If you if you quantify in the the charity shield or whatever you are, it's just just a phenomenal record, but. It, in the in the early rounds of the league, in the league cup, you, you, it does seem like do, do, is he actually that bothered by it? But I suppose he just knows that even the youngsters in the early rounds are going to get through against you well, know I was, championship. I was going to say in terms of opportunities for the youngsters, we saw Garcia and Harwood Bellis early on in the comp- in the competition, but then that was kind of it. Mm. I mean, last year they had um, Aaron Murich was in goal for every round apart from the, apart final. the final. Yeah, yeah. I felt really sorry for him actually because he'd done really well up until that point. But yeah, I mean. Preston, they played Garcia and Howard Bellis, didn't they? Mm. And Garcia, Garcia's played. He's played in since yeah, then, yeah. yeah. Howard but, Bellis hasn't, though, has he? No, uh, and I, I was surprised Garcia didn't play last night. Mm. Uh, um, and uh, again, it comes back to you know, is 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 Pep, like I suppose Pep, Pep just seems like one of those people. He's, he's thinking about the immediacy of the next game and stuff like that and and does the long-term thinking come into it all that much i suppose it doesn't for for him if he's not gonna you know he, he might do longer than next year but i suppose he's not thinking of like you know a dynasty or whether like players are going to be you know coming through in yeah. four or five years and stuff like that so no, i suppose it, it's a difficult balance and I, th- I think if he if he turned if he leaves turns around and go well i've delivered you the this probably, many trophies, yeah. probably, trophies yeah. this many trophies and probably the most creative midfielder of a generation then he'll go it's all right, really, it? yeah. I didn't really need to bring through Taylor Howard Bellis or Eric Garcia or whoever else exactly yeah yeah. I mean, KC do you find it weird how fans have kind of got into the League Cup do you know what I mean? There's, there's, it's like kind of like become a cult among City fans now. Yeah, well, it's it's the only cult with free handles, isn't it? So it's just, uh, <laughs> it's like not everyone, not everyone can win free handle trophies. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think t- to me, like, and I do love the League Cup, but to me, it goes back to, um, like when we when we were first taken over, it was one that we we really targeted, um, and we ended up obviously going out in the semi final to United that time. But it's just like. It had been so long since any trophy, like any trophy, would have done, 
And that was one where we thought, right, we could actually win. We didn't end up winning that first. Obviously, we won the FA Cup first. But it was just like, I really got on board with the League Cup. I, I really got on board with the UEFA Cup that that year as well. You know, obviously, just Hamburg, any cup. Hamburg. Give us any cup. No, a... no. But I think I think those two those two at the time seemed attainable when we were. I don't even think we were up. We were starting to to get a grasp on like we, you know, we were we were signing players from left, right, and centre, but there didn't seem to be like a coherent plan behind anything. And it just seemed like the league the league cup was one that um, I think we 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 value it because because of then when when we didn't win anything for ages, and I think it's also rebelling against people that go, oh, it's not worth anything. It's not you know it's a pointless trophy or whatever, and it's it's not, is it really? I would also throw in it's quite easy to value when you've won it three times in a row. Well, it's not just that we've like we won it even before that as well. Yeah, no, we? but we won, won it like four. Have we won four out of the last six or something. Daft yeah, like that. it's daft. It's daft. It, they won it 2014, 2016, 17, 18, 19. No, I mean, 18, 18, like, 19, yeah, 18, 19, 20. 20 yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's just yeah. I, I think I think the more we win it, the less we value it. To be honest with you, it is it is really enjoyable, but I think. Uh, I think it was just like it is sort of like one in the eye for people that go, oh, it's it's not valuable. I think, say for example, you think Everton, Everton have got a lot of money. Obviously, they're they're constrained by you know financial fair play rules that we didn't initially have when we were first brought in. If you offered Ever- an Everton fan the League Cup, they'd absolutely bite your hand off for it. And I think because we remember that, we actually value it. Whereas like you know your quote unquote bigger teams that have won stuff left, right, and centre all the time, it doesn't matter as much to them. Let them scoff it. I'm not bothered. We've got another trophy. Yeah, I think the Premier League teams have, have pretty much the same attitude towards it. Like none of them, probably Liverpool aside, none of them completely toss it off to they? There are like proper first team players that play in those games in the early rounds. Um, and I was did uh, Leicester played Burton in January? Oh no, not January, December, and they played a really. Like really, really strong, strong team. team, Burton away. Yeah. So I, th- I, th- I think Leicester in that that crop of like I, I used Everton there. I know Leicester have won the league, but Le- Leicester should Leicester should have beaten Villa in the semi final. That's a massive missed opportunity for them. And I think that's the sort of thing where you know if if you're Brendan Rodgers, he probably would have earmarked and thought, right, the league trophy is something that we can get behind me and put a trophy in the cabinet. Because mm. um, most teams must be thinking, you know, if they get to City in the final. You know, something can happen on the day. A, Wig- yeah. a Wigan can happen, um, and and that must be the way that they're viewing it. But you know, I I, I don't think you know, I don't think well, United won it in twenty sixteen, was it or something? Well, I don't think they've taken it particularly seriously. I don't think Spurs take it particularly seriously. Um, and you know, considering what Spurs have won one trophy in the <laughs> past twenty years, yeah. you just think it's yeah. it's a bit it's a bit daft. Just before we move on, a, a couple of quick uh, quick comments as well. John Stones has had. Uh, Hmm. Unfortunate slip. Yeah, they kind of they are unfortunate, but they keep happening to him. It's it's just really hard to explain at this point, isn't it? It's just like bad things just seem to happen to him. Is it getting to the point though where it's now it's it's starting to get a bit too late for him? Yeah, well, you think he's you know he's he's not an up and coming youngster anymore. He should be in the prime of his career at this point. Um, and he's getting worse, not better. And it, at one point, he did look like he potentially could be a world beater. But you expected his his sort of football brain and his on the ball stuff. You never needed to worry about that. It was more like, can he become more physical? A bit of a you know, bit of a, a defender, a bit of an all round thing. And he's just got worse at the football and not got that much better at the defending. It's just just bizarre. Where does he stand, Jack? Uh, I think he's definitely playing for his future. Um, but. If he were to have a bad end to the season, he might be saved if they can get Otamendi out in the summer, I think. Uh, and they'd want good money for Stones as well. But I just think with him, it's it's a confidence thing. His confidence is absolutely shot. And, you know, personal problems, et cetera, et cetera, over the last, over the last two years. Um, it is a mental block that he's got. But there, I was going to say, there comes a point, though, where... You know, personal problems or not, it it needs yeah, to it needs yeah. to be turned around. And Guardiola has tried his best to help him out with certain things uh, that's going on in his life. Um, and it it, it looked people at City were saying around November time that it looked like he was like 
carrying himself. He was walking a little bit taller, and they thought he'd like got through the worst of it. And he got injured. And then he got injured, and he's fallen back to to kind of what he was. I mean, I said to someone the other day at the game, you never ever see John Stones bring the ball into midfield anymore, mm. ever. Which I think tells you a, an awful lot where he's at. Yeah, because he couldn't go two minutes without doing it when he was flying or when he was up and coming. Yeah, he just obviously doesn't have doesn't have the confidence. He doesn't trust himself. He just wants to kind of. You saw him at Sheffield Wednesday, just, just moving the ball, just on moving him. the ball along, yeah. really easy balls, and then saw early in the first half he caned one out of play, didn't he? Like yeah. an easy twenty yard ball, so. Final. But, but 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 then like but then you put in probably the best cross of the first half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you're just like so there there is there's still, there, there. there's still yeah. something there. But but like you say, it's 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 a conundrum. Yeah. Now uh, there's absolutely no talk of a redemption arc for uh, for Claudio Bravo or anything like that. But it was a good save at the end of the uh, of the League Cup final. That uh, that's just I think that's just you being a goalkeeper again. It was a good save. It it. it, it if I headed if, that away, yeah. If I if I let that in, I'd be devastated, <laughs> and I'm well overweight and haven't jumped in about ten years. It was a good save. <laughs> I'm giving him that one. He deserves that one at least. Uh, but then again, he was fluffing around with Ottoman near would, the, would, uh, would, the end of the Sheffield would, Wednesday would, game, wasn't would, he? Would you would you say that was a good save if he hadn't have been so terrible for so long? Probably yeah, not. There's, no, there's no, yeah, yeah, the expectation level. Yeah, that, he's, yeah. he's put your expectation levels on the floor because he's crap. That's yeah. it, and I'm not. I'm, all I'm saying is, I might not have got there. That's no, all I'm saying. You, you would have definitely saved that. Broke, <laughs> broken boots or not? <laughs> now then, earlier this season, I shaved off my beard when Harry sent me some goodies. Ever since then, I've grown it back and shaved it off again a couple of times. Definitely though, not because it's going grey. Every time, the shave was close and smooth with a comfortable glide over my face. When the box arrived, it was neatly packaged in a lovely resealable bag and in the luxury box inside was a strong, sturdy razor, a tin of shaving gel and a protective case for the blade. The foam was soft and gentle and the shave itself was very easy because of the movable head of the razor, meaning I could get to all of the awkward places and with this razor, it was easy to get a smooth, close shave. That razor was also a good weight for applying pressure and a comfortable fit in my hand. Harry's is also supporting the football community, and that doesn't just mean the Blue Moon podcast, but also supporting football's other guys. They're the five-a-side teams, or the Sunday League teams, and all the people who put the cones out or wash the bibs, that sort of stuff. We mentioned that there was a competition coming up at the start of March. Think changing room makeovers or brand new kits or any other equipment that will help improve facilities for your local team. To enter, you can visit Harry's social media channels, or you can go to harrys.com forward slash moon, where you can also sign up for a trial set. For just £3.95, you'll get a pack worth £11 pound 50 which includes a razor handle a five blade razor cartridge foaming shave gel and a travel blade cover as well sign up and you'll be helping the blue moon podcast too that's at harrys.com forward slash moon if you're listening on your phone right now you could do it while the show still plays in the background now last weekend city fans reacted with bemusement at the idea presented in one newspaper column that they were happier when the club was the underdog there is a tendency to look back on life in the past with blue tinted glasses and with the knowledge that everything turns up well in the end for city in the long run we can easily forget just how trying life could get for supporters of years gone by here i am with a reminder Do these sound like fans who are having a good time? I am 61 and I've been coming here for years. And last Saturday was absolutely the worst. We're playing like 11 people have never even been introduced. And when you consider the money they're actually being paid, they should at least be able to pass the ball to each other. I don't think this is the only change needs to be made. I think right at the top, it's got to start there now. Get rid of Francis Lee. It won't be so bad if we've got value for money. But uh, it's like a comedy show coming here every all match. Of course, they're an extreme end of the scale. They were City fans speaking to the BBC as new manager Joe Royal was appointed in 1997. It's a modern-day phenomenon whereby a club that has been unsuccessful, made unsuccessful an art, and has 28,000 people turning up to watch them. It's almost become a cult thing now. You know, we know we're bad, but we're turning up to watch it. Fantastic supporters. So just imagine when they've got a little bit to cheer about, when something goes go as well what they'll be. The problems go back much further though. Here's ex-manager Peter Reid talking to the Blue Moon podcast about his relationship with former chairman Peter Swales. I think he went into Manchester even use if you look back and said he had six million to spend and uh, it wasn't forthcoming. So 
I obviously, as a young manager, and a bit hot-headed, wasn't happy with that. And there was there was unrest. Yeah, circumstances happened where me and Mr. The, the then chairman, Mr. Swales, fell out, and uh, if you fall out with the chairman, there's only one answer. The fans were unhappy with how Swales was running the club. After Reid's sacking, Brian Halton was appointed, and as Swales was ousted as chairman by Francis Lee, he decided he wanted his own man in charge. Halton spoke to the podcast years later. You can sense it. You, you, you know, I mean, I've been in football long enough to know when things like that are going to happen and, and, and chairman won't give you any more money to buy players, then, you know, it's uh, it's inevitable. Reid's team were doing well in the mid-table of the Premier League. Halton's sunk a little bit below that, while Alan Balls were relegated in comical fashion. This was Ball speaking to Match of the Day after his side went down in 1996. They've had a go today, but it's over a season. And uh, unfortunately, our shocking start, uh, we've paid dearly for it at the end. From November onwards, we've picked up 36 points, which is a fantastic haul. By the time Joe Royal came in with another new chairman in David Bernstein, relegation to the third tier was almost inevitable. The day after we got relegated, I did a two-page spread in the Manchester Evening News setting out my strategy for the future. I think it was something that I believe gave the fans uh, some encouragement, at least somebody was looking at the thing, and uh, there was some positiveness ahead in spite of this very difficult situation, being in the third level of English football for the first time in our history. Throughout all of this turmoil, City fans were far from happy. Dan Burke remembers what it was like. I've always thought that we'd perhaps view the atmosphere at Main Road through blue-tinted spectacles a little bit, because it wasn't always great and could sometimes be quite toxic, actually. Um, the guy ripping up his season ticket on the pitch after we lost at home to Barry is probably the best example that springs to mind. Through the end of the 90s, the fans at Main Road were certainly not enjoying being the underdog. I don't remember supporting City in that era being much fun at all, to be honest. Um, I certainly didn't enjoy going to Main Road very much as a young kid, and um, I think the adults around me were only there out of blind obligation more than anything. I'd actually say City properly never got their hooks into me until the 99 playoff final, actually. A few days earlier, me and my dad had watched United beat Bayern Munich in the European Cup final on telly. And um, my love for City hadn't properly taken hold at that point, but my hatred for those stuffy gits certainly had. And I remember bursting into tears at the final whistle, at the sheer injustice of it all. Um, and also because I, I thought in that moment, well, I'm never going to get to experience anything like this from my team. While Dan says he didn't enjoy it, he does think there was something character-building about being a City fan growing up. I think losing makes you humble and just leaves you with a, a healthy amount of cynicism that you don't get if you're conditioned to win all the time. Um, I was always really proud of City fans' loyalty and our sense of humour when we were rubbish. And it's a shame that we've lost a bit of that with our, our recent success, I think. Um, my only hope is that it isn't gone completely and we don't end up becoming spoiled and entitled like a few other fan bases I could think of. Um, but I always say to people, you know, I'm, I'm 32. In my lifetime, I've watched my team in the third division, the second division, the Premier League, the Champions League. You know, not to mention the stuff we've won in truly remarkable circumstances. But still, there is a reason why City fans look back on it now quite fondly. You can't deny City fans' loyalty in that period. You know, we had 30,000 at home for the, the first game in Division 2 against Blackpool and a very high average attendance throughout that season tells you all you need to know. Um, it's funny to watch the footage back of us clinching promotion back to the Premier League at Blackburn, actually, um, at the end of the 99-2000 season. Um, you know, the commentators on Sky talking about what wonderful fans we had. And it's sad now that we get jives about being plastic and empty seats and all that nonsense because, you know, we showed incredible loyalty in those dark days. As far as I'm concerned, we've got nothing to prove to anyone. Psychologist Professor Sir Kerry Cooper spoke in a documentary about being a City fan in the 90s. It's kind of part of the whole British spirit, really, in a way. It's the kind of underdog phenomenon. It's the Dunkirk effect. It's will show them. He explains one theory why fans stuck by the club in the dark times. It gives you a different kind of identity. It's a kind of non-conformist identity. When you make something public and you personally identify with something, particularly something that's in trouble, to back away from it and then turn to a club that's successful for the kind of personality that would support City, that's an impossible task to do. They've done so many things wrong, you start to wonder whether Really, they don't want to win. I mean, they would just want to carry on the kind of image they've built up. But City have now started winning, and supporter Richard Burns thinks that, of course, fans are happier now. I think it's um, a really poor angle for journalists who aren't City fans to take when they suggest that City fans were happier back in the days when City weren't so good, back in the days when relegation could risk our long-term future as a club 
I think it's absolute madness for anybody to suggest as a fan base we were happier when that was our experience. Richard thinks that he can see how this situation has happened though. I think there has been some particularly poor journalism from some very prominent and usually good journalists who I like and what a lot of journalists seem to be doing at the moment is prodding the hornet's nest with deliberately antagonistic lines and then complaining when they get stung. And Richard adds that things have escalated as a result, leading to the piece that was written ahead of the cup final. Of course, there are some criticisms of City that are valid, and football being emotive as it is, sometimes City fans blindly defend the club where that's probably not the right approach to take. But for journalists who are experienced, of course you're going to get the feeling that we're all unhappy if you try to make us that way and then you use that as your sample size. So it's just not true that City fans were happier back in the day. You can't deny that there were enjoyable moments in the past, but that's exactly what they were, moments in a miserable time. City fans are a complicated bunch and couldn't possibly all be summed up in one go. But the idea of preferring it as the underdog seems to be the sort of thing that we would have said when we were the underdog, more out of a sense of hope than actually believing that was the case. Hi guys, this is Gary Owen and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Check out exclusive City interviews on our website, bluemoonpodcast.com. A look there at City in the 90s. Now it's time to look ahead to uh, games against United and Arsenal. So, uh, Case, I mean, this Manchester derby has come out of nowhere. Yeah, I, I think some, somebody reminded me of it. I think Sunday morning, and I was I was pretty shocked because whereas Derby week, we used to think yeah, about it for months on end. I, I used to, yeah, I used to just be sweating for about three or four weeks before I'm thinking about it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether that's arrogance or not because it it, it definitely can't be because we've got a terrible record against them at home. But for, obviously, this one's this, away. This, so it's this, fine, this, yeah. this one's away, so we, yeah, we, we should we should be fine. But. Yeah, it's it, it's just uh, it's just sprung up out of nowhere because, like I say, people just aren't talking about it. I don't know whether as well that's because, um, whereas you used to like back in the day in the office, you'd always have like United fans going, you know, in your face, like you know, sort of. And because they've not had that much to shout about recently, because you... they don't say anything anymore and yeah. haven't done for years, <laughs> it's just yeah. Um, I don't know whether it's it's just come down to something <laughs> as simple as that as well. Why why you forget? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it used to be the first thing that you'd look for. Um, you know when 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 are the derbies and sort of have it ingrained in your mind. I also but, I also wonder if it again is it because it was the League Cup final at weekend. The Real Madrid tie has been quite big for for City. It's it's, it's kind of like it, it's those were the barriers first, and then this is just after that. I, I I also think there's a fair shout for it for the uh, for the amount of fixtures that get moved around all the time. Whereas you used to have it in the start at the, at the start of the season, you'd go right uh, roughly at this point of the season we're going to be playing United home and away. Whereas, like, if I if I look at the fixtures now and I see anything past March, I think, well, there's no chance that that's actually happening on the time when it's happening yeah. because every game gets moved. So I don't know whether that's that's also part of it, just with the way that the game, like, obviously Arsenal's been changed to what three days after it or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't know whether that's also part of it. I think it's just a, a collection of, of of a few minor different things. Yeah. Like, they've played United a lot recently as well. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Guardiola's won four or five visits to Old Trafford with City, Jack. Um, does it surprise you that his record is better there than it is at home against them? Because his record at home against them is absolutely woeful. Yeah. Well, he, United have been on a downward spiral, but they've always had good attacking players or quick attacking players that can hit teams on the counter-attack. So they're probably, since Guardiola joined, they've probably been <clears throat> more suited to playing at the Etihad anyway. Um and then City have, City have probably done so well at Old Trafford because they've allowed United to have a little bit more of the ball and the onus isn't on them quite so much. Obviously, they still dominate possession, mm. but not quite as much as they uh, as they do at home and they can just hit them in, on the transitions, can't I, they? I do, I do wonder what would happen in this sort of game if City just said to United, go on, have the ball. Just, just like, you know, have it. They'd absolutely, they'd, they'd batter them. They'd they could score as many as they wanted if they did if they did that because they just pick them off in midfield. Yeah, because United don't have enough passes. What does uh, does Bruno Fernandez change anything for United? What what's what impact has he had? Um, he's better than I was expecting. Actually, 
I, th- I didn't think he existed until he turned up. <laughs> he was just like this man that just kept getting talked about moving to England. He was even linked with City last year. Mm. Um, <clears throat> he's, just, he's given him more, like, a bit, just a bit more energy and a bit more thrust in midfield and not scared to shoot. And like, well, From the little I've seen, he just looks like he actually enjoys football, whereas yeah. nobody at United has done for for a few years. I think that, that seems to make a massive change for them. Uh, that that is a worrying thing that you've got somebody that's coming like that that's hit form straight away when the well, player knows. I was going to say is is the effect actually what not necessarily what he adds to the team, but like if he picks the rest of the squad up, that could make this a dangerous game for City. Yeah, still crap though. Like it it's it is it is one player, and even if he lifts them collectively, we are still miles 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 better than them. And you know, it's it's one of those things where we're talking about a Wigan before because that is sort of the level of difference between like you know. And we've had our bad days against them. Surely we can't have another. Yeah. You mean when they didn't, or when they chose not to sign him in the summer, it was because the scouts um, were telling the recruitment team at United that he gives the ball away too much in a final third, which for United not to sign him last summer for that reason tells you everything <laughs> you need to know. Like, God forbid you've got a midfielder who will take risks in the final third. Yeah. And, the you know... It might, it might turn out to be a really, really smart signing because he's he's actually someone who wants to go and play rather than taking the easy option all the time. Yeah. Um, in terms of, of the Derby, Casey, where does it rank at the moment for you? Would you in, in what regard? In in like It used to be the be-all and end-all of City's season. Yeah. Well, I suppose it's hard to take that question because who would have rather beat more than anyone else under the sun? It's United number one straight, straight away. But yeah, Liverpool are really doing me head in. So it's like, in terms of this season in particular, if you offered me, you know, United or Liverpool, I'd want to beat, I'd want to beat Liverpool. But that's just in a very microcosm part of this season. Um, I, I still, I, yeah, United is United is the main rivalry. No matter how crap they get, how crap we get, ups downs, whatever. I think it's just it's just one of those things that will always matter more. Um, but like I say, probably like Jack's just said, with the amount of games that we've had with them. I was more bothered about winning against them in the League Cup than I am than I am for this Sunday because I could see a trophy at the end of it. The league's pretty much gone. Champions League's pretty much secured. I think we should be using it to test out different things to get as far as we can in other competitions this year, as, as sad as it is to say, because Liverpool are that far ahead of us. Just on the Arsenal game, Jack, uh, have the authorities considered the fans enough with the scheduling of this one? About no, a, week, about a but, week's notice? No, but, like, but when do they ever? Well, where else could it go? That's the other thing. Because uh, the Newcastle, game, me, well, the Newcastle the, game's going to get moved as well now. Yeah, but was there one or the free week? Um, possibly. But does the Chelsea get was the Chelsea game to fit in there as well? I don't, I don't, know. I, I, I don't know. Well, they might. It, it might be that they have a situation towards the end of the season if they continue um, in the FA Cup where they're playing Monday, Thursday, Sunday. That's possible. For a couple of weeks. Um, I mean, going back to the question, they don't give a stuff about the fans, do they? It don't matter. And actually, <clears throat> for this one, I'm not sure how many how many supporters are that bothered about Arsenal at home on a Wednesday night anyway. Yeah, in terms of it, in terms of it being a big game, but in terms of it inconveniencing plans, yeah, and it's stuff not like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but I, I, I think there was a major change last year. Like, like I, I fully agree, and I've, I've said it till I'm blue in the face that they, they, they don't care about fans like you're saying. Um, but I've towards the back end of last season, with the Everton game being moved and the Leicester game being moved, I just thought they are now getting more brazen about it. And my fear is that we're slipping towards a sort of a La Liga thing where four or five days before a game, they move it to 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning or midnight on a Saturday night or whatever, or on a Sunday night or whatever. That That's what I'm more concerned about. This game on its own, yeah, it's a bit of a pain in the arse that it's moved. It's more difficult on the Arsenal fans. I've got more sympathy for them than the, than the fact that I've just got to change one or two things, you know, Bob next week. Yeah, on, yeah, a, yeah, on yeah, a Wednesday yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, but, you know, pe- people... Other other people, even in Manchester, aren't as you know aren't as lucky to be able to do that. People working night shifts, evening shifts, that have to plan games well in advance. It is crap, but I, 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 if if this is how bad it's going to get, I can sort of live with it because I'm 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 used to it. I just fear that it's just going to get worse. Yeah, um, I got done by an April Fool a couple of years ago. 
like one of the one of the websites. <laughs> I think it might have been our website actually. Wrote um, a spoof article that said, uh, I don't know, arguments say Liverpool against Man City has been moved to uh, nine a.m. on a Saturday morning, uh, and there's a massive uproar about like it. For the audience in China or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were like, me and a mate were in the pub, and I was like looking at it, and we had a long debate for like <laughs> half an hour about it, going, "This is absolutely mental," like you know. But I wouldn't have been but surprised. Yeah. I, yeah, I really wouldn't have been surprised by it. It's not. It's it's one I mean, of those. I felt it's, it's silly a, when it was an April Fool. Yeah, but, it, it's, <laughs> but it's an April Fool that is believable. It's not. It's not the good old. Oh, they found penguins who can that can fly. Yeah. That sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a. It's grounded in truth. That's mm. the problem. But it's worrying, it? isn't it? Yeah. Like that. I, might not be that far off. That sort of thing. Yeah. Um. Just on the game itself. Uh, KC return to the Etihad for Arteta. Um. Be if there's one player, one person who could possibly understand how Guardiola is going to approach this game uh, this, this could come back to but I'm not even slightly worried about playing Arsenal there we go it's an Arsenal win now isn't it I, I just, I just the, the, Arteta, Arteta's clearly getting them going but I think I think it, I bet he's surprised by just how bad they are um, you know I've got Arsenal mates who are, who are friends and stuff like that you know they hate they absolutely hate Lacazette Um you know, bearing in mind considering how he played against us, I think at home a couple of years ago under Wenger, he, you know, he looked he looked really good for them. Um, I, I just don't, I just don't see what they're going to offer as a football club. Like, I, I cannot see them getting out of that slump. Even if Arteta is really, really good, I can't see them ever getting back to the Champions League, at least not for ten years. We surprised Arteta went there, Jack, given the state that they yeah, were. Yeah, given the state of the club, but. I'd, you wonder whether he looked at it and thought, "I can't actually lose here." Yeah, because if it doesn't work, it's the state of the club. Yeah, and he's going to be better than Emery, no matter what. Any really, as long as he kind of communicates with the media and the fans um, properly, then he's already a step up from Emery. I mean, they've not really won that many games under him, have they? They keep drawing all the time, which maybe maybe sorting out the foundations and they're going to have a big summer, but they've. But, not but, spenders, but, are they, but so. yeah, they've not. They've not apparently not got the money, have they? Mm. Like, Pepe was apparently bought on the never never, wasn't he? So, and that's like seventy two million last summer. So, where are they getting the money from? Yeah, it, it is six wins in a row against Arsenal for for City now. They've scored three in all but one of them, and they scored two in that. So, they're usually good for a few goals against Arsenal at the moment. Yeah, I think uh, yeah. Generally, over the years, they've always been belting games. Even even when they were the dominant force and we were crap, you know. Even thinking about you know that infamous five five one or whatever. Four it nil was. after fifteen yeah, minutes or whatever it was. Like, yeah. we, we we've always sort of had um, ding dongs against Arsenal, um, and they've always been like generally speaking, they are good games. Like, was there a, like was there was a six two under Pellegrini? Was there? Yeah, that was a good day. Yeah. Um, so I just think. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure it'll be a good game. They they like to play good football, but that's what we want, really. If a team that is nowhere near as good as us likes to play football, then they're just going to get smashed, aren't they? Yeah. Right. Well, charity bet time. I got another prediction right this season with my two-one for the League Cup final. That means that we've now raised seven hundred and fifty pounds for the Christie, a cancer hospital in Manchester, with our charity bet with William Hill. A ten-pound correct score single for each of us on both of this week's games coming up. KC, uh, I'm going to start with you because I have a I have a sneaking suspicion. I know where you're going with the United game. Uh, yeah, uh, six one to City. I thought you might do that. Uh, Eighty to one, so uh, eight hundred pounds if you're right. I think when we did them six one back in the day, wasn't it something daft like seven hundred and fifty to one? Or must something? have been. Must have been. Yeah. Um, so I like I, I really I, I was I'm, I was expecting better than eighty to one. I'll be honest with you. I really hope you're right. It more than doubles the pot, so I really yeah. hope you're right. And it'd be the, I think that would take us to the most we've ever won in a single season. So yeah, fingers crossed. Like, what, what are you having for Arsenal? Three uh, 0 please. Three uh, 0 is seventeen to two and eighty five pounds. Bit more, a bit more realistic, I think, on that one. But uh, you know, you never know. Well, I've still never won uh, any charity bet in all the years I've been doing this. I so. hope you start at Old Trafford. Yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to lie, uh, Jack. What are you having for uh, for Old Trafford? Uh, 2-1 City. It's 7-1 to one and £70. And then no. Arsenal? Also 2-1. Uh, is 7-1 and £70. So, uh, yeah. 
It's imaginative, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, wait, I, I've gone for 3-1 for both games, which is 10-1 uh, to 1 against United, so 100 quid, and 17-2 to 2 against uh, Arsenal, so that's £85 if I'm right there. Uh, you've got to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change. Please gamble responsibly. And for more on responsible gambling, take a look at begambleaware.org. Now, games in the International Champions Cup, which City have taken part in during pre-season in the past, planned to take place in China, have been cancelled due to the ongoing outbreak of coronavirus COVID-19. As it stands, sporting events in the UK are going ahead, but it's not out of the question that they could be suspended. I've been taking a look at the story. Ahead of the League Cup final last weekend, City boss Pep Guardiola gave his view on the ongoing coronavirus outbreak. Always I would like the, you know, when we are informed for the authorities, for the politicians or for the people as in charge of that, to be serious about the message they are going to tell us as a citizens. I think they are doing in the worldwide as much as possible, you know, to eradicate it. But try to avoid, if it's not necessary, to make an, a big alarm, you know, for the society. On Tuesday this week, the British Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, confirmed that there were no plans to stop playing football matches at this stage. We do not recommend the cancelling of mass events. And, for instance, schools as well should not be closing unless there is a both a positive case and the school has had the advice to close from Public Health England. So right now, so long as you wash your hands more often, that is the number one thing that you can do to keep you and the country safe. With thousands of people gathering together for football matches throughout the country though, the idea of suspending games is certainly within the government's plans. At this stage, the situation is far from needing that sort of measure, but authorities won't rule it out. Dr Elaine Cloutman-Green is from the Society for Applied Microbiology. For every pandemic, you have a pandemic response plan. So pandemic flu has been on the government risk register for over a decade. And in preparation for all of those things, we always have a staggered plan that looks at what we do at different levels when cases spread and what we can do to stop further spread in a timely manner. Because it's a new illness, we don't know exactly how COVID-19 spreads from person to person, but similar viruses are spread through coughs and sneezes. Government advice is to wash your hands regularly and to catch sneezes in fresh tissues before putting them in the bin. The NHS says germs can't live outside the body for very long, so good hygiene practices will help slow down the spread. Fergus Walsh is the BBC's medical correspondent. We've seen what it's done in China, in Hubei province. We've seen what it's doing in parts of Italy. But it looks like we're heading for some kind of major outbreak in the UK. That seems likely. And the longer we can delay that, the better for the NHS. At the moment, there's no need to avoid public spaces and gatherings. So being part of a football crowd shouldn't be a problem. But the government is setting out clear plans of what to do if things progress. The BBC's health editor Hugh Pym explains why it's not yet a priority. They said if you've got 70,000 people at a football match, you are vulnerable if there's somebody right next to you in the ground with the virus, but not otherwise. Whereas if you go into a pub to watch the the match on the screen in there with 15 people close to you, you're more vulnerable. So that was an interesting indication that they're not necessarily convinced about uh, going down that route. Professor Tom Solomon is the director of the UK's Health Protection Research Unit in Emerging Infections. I think in the UK we are more or less where we expected to be. We've had a small number of cases that's continued to grow slowly and we've had some onward transmission now from some of these cases but that's been picked up very quickly. We've continued to have more imported cases. The last three were from Italy, so I think we're more or less where we would expect to be with this kind of outbreak. Some countries have stopped the ritual of handshakes ahead of matches, something yet to come in for games in England. The Health Secretary Matt Hancock explains why. The scientific advice is that the impact of shaking hands is negligible, and what really matters is that you wash your hands more often. And so long as you wash your hands more often, then handshaking is okay. But of course, I totally understand if people don't want to shake hands as well. I mean, that's that's fine. However, in Italy, the outbreak of coronavirus has had more severe impacts. Here's Italian football expert Will Beckman. I can't quite recall a series of events as extraordinary as this. Essentially, the upshot is that six out of ten matches have been postponed and they are going to be fitted in somewhere else before the end of the season. 
but the problem is, as things stand, we haven't got a clue when they're going to be played. Initially, the Lega announced that they were going to be played on the 13th of May, or rather a couple of weeks before the end of the season, but everyone has since kicked up a hornet's nest saying that they would falsify the league, it would distort the competition, so on and so forth. And so actually, the most likely solution that we have at the moment is that these games will be played this coming weekend, with the rest of the league season essentially being pushed back a week. Will says that it's led to a lot of unexpected problems. It's really anyone's guess as to what will happen from here. Ultimately, the Lega postponed these matches because they didn't want to play them behind closed doors because they felt that that would give a bad image of Serie A across the world. They felt that their product would be damaged. But unfortunately for the president, Paolo Dalpino, who made this decision, it really hasn't had that effect at all. As it stands, none of City's games have been affected, but that could change if they get past Real Madrid in the Champions League. The Blue Moon podcast understands that UEFA is worried about the impact of the virus and they're looking at contingency plans, including playing some games behind closed doors. We understand their preference is for matches to go ahead, but it might mean that there's no media done, so no interviews or press conferences. As long as clubs are happy to play, then they'll play, be it with or without fans in the stadium. Hi, my name is Uwe Ressler, former Manchester City player. You listen to the Blue Moon podcast. Get involved with the debate on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. Look there at football and the coronavirus and the message is uh, wash your hands. So, uh, yeah, keep washing your hands. Going to end with Ask the Panel now. Get your questions in on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast or on email via bluemoonpodcast.com. Adam's first up from Twitter. He says, in light of Liverpool's exits from the League Cup and the FA Cup, did City get enough credit for their treble or quadruple last season? Could Liverpool have had a better crack at this season or is it actually a really difficult achievement? Um, I think City got a lot of credit last season. I think like we we won we we won the trophies like I I think I think the, there are there are positives and negatives based on like individual journalistic bias all this that and the other blah 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 I think coverage hasn't been particularly great of us at times but I think that one's reaching a bit if in in my opinion I think we got plenty credit last year for what we did and the year before the one thing I would say is that sometimes not all the time but sometimes it's Pep that gets the credit and not the football club. I wonder whether people are not massively impressed by that. I don't know. Players, maybe players. Because I know, I know when you yeah, think about someone yeah. like Raheem Sterling. Raheem yeah. Sterling, I know has said. I think he's said in the past. Actually, you know, I've worked hard as well. It's not yeah. just all Pep's work. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think the players appreciate his coaching and he's helped quite a few of them evolve. Um, but yeah, I just kind of. Been asked this a few times about what do you think about the coverage last season? It's like there were there were reams and reams and pages and pages dedicated to Man City winning the treble in every single newspaper, and they were all over the telly. I I, I couldn't I, I couldn't like as I say I, I I think we got plenty enough credit. I think I think where people are getting mixed up was there was an oversaturation of of Liverpool coverage last year, and I think people are getting the two com com conflated because. You know, just because there's loads of ex-Liverpool and ex-media pundits that... Because, you know, that was the closest Liverpool have got for a long, long time. There was loads of articles written about on this, that and the other, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't mean that there weren't articles written about City, about how great they were either. I think we got plenty enough credit last year. I think Liverpool probably got overexposed last year and I think that's what people are getting a bit confused about. Yeah, also, I mean, you, cho- like, you choose what you read. Yeah, that is true. If you want to read a positive piece about Man City, they are available. But if you would rather read something about Liverpool that's going to get you angry, equally that is available. There's plenty available. Blue Room Podcast is always available yep. as well, so uh, yep. you know, just, just stick with us and you'll be happy. <laughs> um, one, one little line as well in, in that question that I'm interested in. In, in terms of, of Liverpool's approach to this season, were you a bit surprised that they, that they kind of... It's felt like they've wimped out of the Cups this season. Given how far ahead they are in the league as well. Yeah, they kind of... I don't know why they're not that interested. Although... The team at Chelsea of a night was strong. I mean, they think Williams and Jones are going to be the next big things, don't they? So that's only like playing Foden in a cup. Yeah, but I think the the Everton, year, but the, the, the Everton one in the cup is the big one. Playing children against Everton in a derby. I know they got. I know they got through it and they won it, but they didn't take that game seriously, did they? No, no. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know why he doesn't kind of. He's not treating it as seriously as he he might have done, although he did do the other night. Um, 
I think if I think I think if they get over the line this season, and I think if they're in the same position this time next year, I think they will treat it differently. Manage it a bit I, differently. I think I think what people are like, I I think I think he's 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 bottled out of it. To be perfectly honest with you, Consi- considering how well he has done in the league, to to not take it as seriously, but I can completely understand it. There's 30 years there where they've not won the league. It is the be all and end all for that football club. Even even with them being so far ahead, like that has to be a number one priority, and I can see why he's done that. Yeah, well, winning all the domestic trophies isn't for everyone, is it? That's the that, that, that's the take home, <laughs> I think. Uh, James Carbonara asks on the emails, why does it seem like we're always needing to be making wholesale changes to our defence? The last major clear out was only in twenty seventeen. I just, I think poor recruitment, I suppose, has to come come down to it. Um, you know, I think I don't think Cancelo's a bad player, but. Where's he been? I, I, Where's he been? I, if, if if you think of what what we what we spent and what we did, has he been that much of an upgrade on Danilo? Considering the money, I know Danilo wanted to go or whatever, but if you think considering the the previous uh, few seasons at left back, you think surely left back is the place where you want to add a bit more strength rather than right back, uh, especially when you consider we could have gone. There's that lad that went to Celtic, um, who's a right back, done really well. Surely he could have been a backup, and we could have invested at left back. Um, we gambled. Cancelo no- has pushed Walker, though, has he? He, he? he has, and he has improved him. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm just saying, in terms of a priority, was, you know, the guts of sixty million the best way to spend it? You know, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm not one of those that sort of sits there with a pen and pencil working out the maths on this, that, and the other. Bloody, bloody, blah. You're a City fan. You should be. Yeah, but just, <laughs> you need, you need to know your numbers. Uh, but I think, I think, I think we pretty much ga- we gambled on not replacing company, really, didn't we? Um, that 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 was the big one because considering how much he played last year despite his injuries, because um, I think if company stays this year, I think Otamendi definitely would have gone in the summer, which would have been a big positive for us. Well, Otamendi, Jack, fights his fifth season at City. It feels I like there'd been more actually. Yeah, is, but, is, but, it, but he's it, only had one good one. But he, he, like he had one good one at the right time. But him, him and Stones were great that year in the Centurions. Yeah, he was yeah. he was he was amazing that year. But he is he's been below par the rest. Yeah, it's. I mean, I said we've had this discussion plenty of times, haven't we, about Maguire and Pep was furious in late July, early August when he didn't get Maguire. Couldn't understand why they didn't pay the money for him. And you look at it and go, yeah, he's not worth the money that Man United paid for him, but he would have improved if he if City. he was the, yes. if he was the option if he was the well he was the, the only yeah. he was the only option because they had to buy a homegrown player and. There weren't any others that at centre half that were attainable. But that, that's why I don't get Cancelo over Chilwell. That, that that's no. what I don't get. If 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 because if if you do Chilwell over Cancelo, then you've got the option of bringing in a foreign centre half. That's why I I just I I think Cancelo's a good player. He's not done anything particularly wrong. I just I that signing to me is just bizarre. Chilwell was weird because I think he's <coughs> run out now. But Chilwell had a release clause last year. They were all in for him at one point. With but it. his release clause was like forty-three million or something, which is a lot of money, but probably the going rate for, for an England for an England left back. Yeah, and I, I just wonder whether they. I don't know. Bit of cold Did they feet? To, I don't know. Possibly, yeah. I mean, they were banging for him last this time last year, and then they suddenly changed their mind. Um, does you know the form and fitness of Zinchenko and Mendy come into that? I think they've got quite. I, They've probably managed Mendy as well as they can do this year. I think they've got probably the best out of him. I, I agree, now. and I really rate Mendy. I like Mendy as well, and, and I think I think he would be first choice if he's fit, even if we had signed Chilwell. I just think, considering the injury record, it's a massive gamble, and I don't see why strengthening because Cancelo he can't play left back, and we you know we were told when we signed Danilo that he could play left back, right back, and centre midfield. He, no, he can't. He couldn't. Yeah, yeah, and. And we've been sort of we've been sold we've been sold the same dream twice with Cancelo and it ju- it's just it, he, he can't do that can't do that yeah it just seems a very weird signing we've well, got you know you've got a situation on Sunday where there's a 21 22 man squad going down to Wembley and your 60 million pound right back isn't among them something has gone seriously wrong there yeah I mean in terms of, of recruitment though for the coming summer I mean what are they gonna have to do to the defense jack are they are they, are they seriously like if they lose Otamendi and you know you, you've also got Fernandinho, who is 
again, not the youngest. Probably not mm. one. You don't want him to be one of your first choice centre-offs. Laporte's only just coming back from injury. There's question marks over Stones. It's, it feels very uncertain again. Um, I don't think it's. I don't think it's massively uncertain. I think if they can get one centre half this summer, then you've also, you know, you would have a new centre half, whoever that might be, Laporte, Fernandinho, and one of Stones or Otamendi. I don't think that's and Garcia and Gar and Garcia. Yeah, that's not a bad group. That really. So does Garcia play for more the rest of the season than your ideal scenario, Casey? Um, n- not not to the same argument that was making with Foden before, but I would have played him last night against Sheffield Wednesday, for example. I don't. I, I can see why Pe- Pep's probably thinking. You know, Stones is out of form. Play him, play him into play, form. Play yeah. him into form. So I can see where that comes from. But I would have played Garcia last night. Um, but my my main thing is just like when you when you look round Europe these days, who are the top centre halves? Like when I was a kid, like centre halves were, you know, amazing centre halves were a dime a dozen. Even just English centre halves were were amazing. I just think that I think it's a, a dying breed of pe- people who are good enough at the top level anymore. I think that's the more that's the more concerning piece. Um, you know, when you think if they are going all out to spend an absolute shed load of money, if they get it wrong, then that's when there's going to be serious problems. If we spend eighty million of whatever we would have spent on Maguire or whatever. And get it wrong, and get another Mangala, get another Otamendi, then we're up shit creek without a paddle, really, aren't we? Completely forgotten about Mangala. Mm. There we are. What, what, note, what can, note to end how, the show? How, on? how can you? <laughs> no, exactly. What a note to end the show on. <laughs> um, well, that's it for this week's Blue Room podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It means other City fans can find us, and it helps to pay our bills as well. If you'd like to help out by becoming a Patreon backer, then head over to patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. This week's bonus show is a return of the car cast. This time, me and KC are chatting about random city topics on the drive over here to the studio. Uh, we don't know if it's actually recorded, though, do we? Uh, we don't. But uh, So if it's not it's, there, then oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'd say it's riveting. <laughs> uh, special thanks to my two guests this week, KC. Cheers. And Jack Gorn. Thanks very much. Uh, I'll be back next week to review the Manchester Derby and the home tie with Arsenal. See you then. That was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.